Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Com and definitely check out those shows as well. Kim Dower is the author of I Wore This Dress Today for You, Mom. She is the author of five highly acclaimed collections of poetry. Dower's poems have been featured on Garrison Keillor's The Writer's Almanac and Ted Kuzer's American Life and Poetry, as well as in many journals and anthologies. She was City Poet Laureate of West Hollywood from 2016 to 2018 and teaches poetry workshops for Antioch University, UCLA Extension, West Hollywood Library, and the Hollywood LGBT Senior Center. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your beautiful poetry collection. I wore this dress today for you, Mom. It is wonderful to be here. I'm a big fan of yours, Zibby, and I'm thrilled that you want to talk about my, my poetry. Thank you. It's it's really beautiful and it made me so sad honestly like it it evoked so much emotion as I watched your mother well I watched you grapple with your mother's dementia but then the aftermath of her loss and I don't know this the one moment where you're talking to the 
or you're thinking about what you've done with the lab tech and you're saying like, what did I do this weekend? Like, and it just sort of like the loneliness of loss and the aftermath of that and your son being grown up. I don't know. It just made me sad for you. I just like wanted to give you a hug and be like, oh my gosh. Anyway. Well, you know, thank you. I I, I would have been happy to have the hug, but you know, a a lot, a lot of the, a lot of these poems are absolutely come from, from the truth. A lot are embellished, you know, because they're poetry, like fiction. It's not all autobiographical, but they do elicit feelings and emotions. A lot of people have told me, oh, that, that was my situation with my mother, you know, but also a lot of the poems are funny in the book. You know, I think. Yes, that's true too. Sorry. I should, yes, I should have said they were multidimensional, but yes. You know, so because I, for whatever reason, I do find humor in the very saddest places. And there was a lot of humor with my mother's failing. She would have thought it was funny too. I mean, that was, you know, we're New Yorkers and I, I, there's a lot of New York in these poems. Even though I've been in Los Angeles for 40 years, my roots are growing up right there on the Upper West Side. And people made fun of everything. (laughs) But I liked how you, uh, how you had the poem about how mothers, a lot of mothers are gardeners, but like you learned how to take a cab because that's, you know, like you learned how to buy a hostess gift and your mom is a New York City mom. So there you go. Right, right, right. And you know, the the book is a lot about different kinds of mothers on the mothering that we had, what we wished we'd had. And, you know, one of the poems in the book, as you talk about, is called Different Mothers. And mine didn't know about things. You know, I had friends who grew up in the country, they grew up in Connecticut, or they, when I moved out here and they had adventures, you know, in the wilderness with their mothers. My mother, you know, the wilderness was like getting the bus on Madison Avenue, you know, (laughs) and you think, oh God, I wish I'd had that kind of mother. But really it was fine to have a city mom. Oh, good. Because I'm a city mom. So (laughs) can I read this poem? I wanted to read a couple of them, if that's okay. Yeah, please. Okay, different mothers. I've read about the ones who garden, teach their daughters to cut a rose just above the thorns so a fresh bud will pop up like toast in time for breakfast. These different mothers show their daughters how to plant tomato seeds in the damp earth, tingle when the first green fruit appears, and when they explode into deep red, pick them off the vine, slice them in their sunny kitchens. These are mothers whose daughters learn through smells of lakes, weeds, pastry dough, have memories of lightning bugs and jars mothers have poked holes into. These are different mothers. I am not one. My mother didn't know about soil or earthworms. City mothers, we know about bus routes, restaurants, Broadway, the people on the eighth floor. Mine taught me to accessorize, bring the ideal hostess gift, have my keys in hand when I enter the building. I have no daughter, but my son can look anyone in the eye, tell them what he's thinking. We eat tomatoes from the grocery. Our roses are store-bought. Different mothers sound better, and I think about what might have been. Calling to the birds, naming the stars, fingers locked together while hiking on hidden trails, cleaning homegrown mint before placing it in tea before bed. I'll flag a cab instead. <laughs> I love that. Oh my Thank God, I you. Love it. I love so many of these. Oh my gosh, this letter to your son. I won't read the whole thing. You wrote a letter to your son because dementia runs in your family about what you'd want to say to him. Tell me about that. I mean, was this emotional to write? I feel like, I know it was sort of funny when you're like, you don't have to visit me and like, just deal me a hand of blackjack. But like, seriously, what was that like putting yourself in in his shoes after 
That's one of those poems. It's a prose poem, which means there's no line breaks. Uh, it's just a block of, of prose. And that is one of the poems in the book that is very autobiographical. And when I was going through uh, dealing with my mother and her dementia, I just I came into my office one day after visiting her and I literally sat down and wrote a letter to my son. And I wasn't necessarily thinking of it as being a poem, but I was just letting him know, look, if this happens to me and I don't know that it will, this is what I'd like you to know and remember. And it was very emotional. And I put it away. And as a matter of fact, about a month later, I looked at it. I'll I'll put my poems away and, and revisit a month later. That's sort of the litmus test. Is it a keeper or what? And I will say that the poem made me cry. I didn't really remember reading it. It's one of those things that came through me. You know, like Anne Sexton would say, the poems came through her from God. And I I don't have the God element, but I feel that that feeling sometimes where I don't know where it's coming from. And it made me very sad to read the poem, but it is one of the poems that people point out the most. It, It moves them. And that's a good thing. It is a good thing, and it's a good idea. I mean, I know it's it's written from a place of emotion, but it's still, I mean, that's going to be such a comfort if and when that happens, that, that would be such a comfort. Like, I would love that if I found something like that from a parent in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I thought that was great. I also love this one about the couple next door who are both ah. reading. Can I read that one? Yeah. The couple next door. The couple next door reads all day long. I can see them from our adjoining hotel patios high above the sea. The couple next door sits at a round white plastic table on hard chairs, their books touching as they turn their pages at the same time. I listen for any sounds they might make, soft cough, sigh of joy, but I hear nothing except for southbound traffic on the Pacific Coast Highway, distant waves, morning sounds of housekeepers cleaning the grounds below our deck. The man's book looks fat. I can see him, thick glasses, brand new cap, staring intently into the page. I never see him smile, so I know the book is not funny. I never see him shake his head, so I know the book does not confuse him, but he suddenly lifts his head, looks out at the ocean, puts his hand over his mouth. The woman looks content like her book understands her. It's about something she knows too well, bringing up children, watching them grow, saying goodbye. I brought books too, but prefer watching them. Wonder how they arrived at this place where reading in silence carries them through the day. Oh, that's really beautiful. That's oh, really thank beautiful. you. It's, you know, it's like a love letter to marriage, but also to, to books and like, you know, how you can be alone together and still, you know, that intimacy that reading provides. Tell me, tell me about that. Did that moment yeah. happen? I'm assuming it happened. Yeah, I mean, that is, I used to go to, I live out here in Los Angeles and there's a beach town called Laguna Beach about 90 minutes south of here. And I would go every summer for a couple of weeks by myself and get this this room with a deck and, and I would write, I would just write. But oftentimes I would just watch. I'd watch the surfers below, I'd watch the waves and we had an adjoining deck and I would watch this couple. They never moved. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, that's very lovely. And oftentimes I start a poem, I don't know where it's going. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know what's going to happen in it. So I just wrote the title, The Couple Next Door. And that's what happened with this poem. You know, so 
yeah, they were something. And then even with your mom, who keeps getting mail and wanting to call your mom with the flight lands. Oh my gosh, they're just, each poem is just its own little moment. It's little glimpse into the everyday scenes that are somehow different because of who is absent and the meaning that that imbues. It's just, it's really beautiful the way you did that. I feel like she would be so happy. I think she would be really happy. And, you know, I'll, I'll also say that she would also think some of these are funny. And I, I would read one if you, if you would like, but it's a poem that I end my readings with because people do get a little sad. And I want to say, you know, there's humor in the book too. And one of the things that we all will recognize is how we get irritated with our mothers. I mean, that's just the way it is. You have these conversations and it's like, oh, mom, are you still talking? And, you know, of course, mine hasn't talked in 10 years because she's been dead for 10 years, but I hear her voice a lot. And she was one of those sort of critical people where you'd have a conversation and the person would walk away and she'd say, oh, why doesn't she wear more makeup or she wears too much makeup? And <laughs> and I think, oh God, mom, why do you have to? But now that she's gone, I think I agree with a lot of what she <laughs> So I thought about my mother. We have conversations now because that's what happens when people pass. You still are connected. So I'll read a poem called My Mother Baked Sugar Cookies. All right. So my mother baked sugar cookies in heaven, which is funny because she never baked here on earth. They have you doing that first thing, she told me. They have you baking right away, so you'll feel useful. We deliver the cookies to children who've passed. The people in charge of heaven sound so thoughtful, I tell her. Well, they're angels, she says, <laughs> but not like you'd imagine. Sure, they wear white, have wings, smile sweetly, but they all talk way too much, and their asses are huge. So... <laughs> I love it. That's for my mother on Mother's Day. Oh, well, it's really beautiful. So, Kim, we met through your work as a publicist. And yeah. I would always get emails from Kim from LA and wonder who is Kim from LA? Does she have a last name? What's the deal here? And then we had such a nice time getting together in person, which is such a rarity in this world we're living in. What is the backstory? How did you go? When when did the writing intersect with the publicity jobs? I know you've been doing this for a long time, but you're like a total pro. Have you always been writing these poems on the side? Any other genres? Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. 
Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Yeah, so I started, you know, when I was a little girl, like so many of us, I would write in my journals and I would write little poems and I was always writing and as so many of us. So that was that. And then when I went to college, it became very serious. I was lucky, right time, right place. I went to Emerson College in the 70s with phenomenal teachers who were just teachers then and became famous poets. Thomas Lux, for example, was my very first teacher. And we were serious and I was serious. And when I graduated, I taught creative writing at Emerson, introduction to creative writing. And I loved it. But honestly, it was Boston. It was the late 70s. It was cold. Female poets were just killing themselves. I mean, literally, it was it was a different time, a very different time. And I didn't want to be absorbed in that world. Frankly, I wanted to move to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I didn't want to go back to New York. I had family out here and I came out and it was great and it was fun. And I had jobs here and there, but landed on a job as a publicist for a very small publisher, Jeremy Tarcher, who has also passed. But in those days, he did all the new age. He was really ahead of his time. Women Who Love Too Much was one of his books, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And I thought, wow, you could get a job. There's a job of just like picking up the phone and talking people into reading a book. No, <laughs> you know, no com computers back then, but I could read a book and then get people to get excited about it, write press releases. It was my dream job. And I got the job. I stopped writing poetry. I started my own company, came from L.A. 35 years ago, got married, had a baby, and basically stopped writing seriously for about 20 years, poetry. But, you know, Zibi, it was like there was something deeply missing. There was something always missing. And I had little notes uh, in pads and pockets, which I found years later. I used to sunbathe on Tyrone Power's grave at Hollywood Forever Cemetery, big slab of marble. And, and I wrote sunbathing on Tyrone Power's grave and I found it, that note in a pocket years later, and I titled my book before this one. So the, it was always going on. But when my son went to college, as will happen to so many of us, there was that big gap and a sadness and missing. And then the poem started coming back flooded with poems and I went to a writing workshop every morning I, I went all over the country to workshops I became very serious and five books in 
13 years. Wow. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, the writing poetry informs my publicity business. They really go hand in hand. I understand my authors. I know what they're going through because I've gone through it. I've been to the bookstore and the books didn't arrive or there were two people and both of them were homeless and they were just there because it was warm inside. You know, I've been through all of it. And I also know what they want and what they need. So it's finally come together in a nice way. That's wonderful. That's really great. Are you working on your next collection already? Well, yeah, I write almost every day. And so the poems pile up. I have a folder on my computer called Poems in Play. Oh, I like and I just put them in there. And when this is over, because I still have some cities I'm going to and readings, when this dies down, as you know, it's very exhausting. It's stimulating, but it also drains you. So you're excited and stimulated and drained all at the same time. It's a, it's a lot to unravel. And when you finally get home, it takes about a month to feel normal again. And at that point, I'm going to print out everything that's in my poems and play folder and see what's in there. You know, could be something. (laughs) That's amazing. What poets do you read or what do you love to read? Oh, there's so many poets that I love. There's the, the, the old dead poets that inspired me at the beginning. I'm a huge William Carlos Williams fan. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. And what that poem means is just to be able to see things and report on what you see. No ideas, but in things. But I'm also madly in love with Frank O'Hara and the whole New York school of poetry. You know, the day lady died and Frank O'Hara would say, a poem is like a phone call. That's what it should be like, a quick phone call. And I love his poems about New York and I love Thomas Lux's poems and the Surrealists and and then all the poems alive and writing today, Sharon Olds, Kim Adonisio, Ellen Bass. I mean, these women are amazing and I teach them all the time and Maya Angelou and there's just so, so many, so many. You know, people will say on a lot of these interviews, you know, I don't like poetry. I never really liked it, but your poems are so accessible. And I think, wow, that's a shame because so many poems are accessible. And, you know, for for us to say we don't like poetry is to say we don't like food. You know, there's something for everyone. And I, I hope to open that door for people. If you read my poems and connect and find them accessible, find other poets because they're out there. It's just another way of organizing the words, right? The story can be, it's beautifully written sentences organized in an artful way, but you could take the words, you could make it short little essays, or you could call them something else. I mean, it's a lot about the form, right? It is. It's exactly right. It's a lot about the form and poetry is you know, as T.S. Eliot says, the most concise form of language. So you do have to chop away, keep it really concise. Every word has to have meaning. In prose, you get to, you know, poetry is like dancing. Prose is walking. And, but the story is there. The connection is there. 
And you could read a poem a day, like a vitamin, and just feel, just feel infused with a connection or a feeling or an emotion. And that's an exciting thing. Yeah. That is an exciting thing. Yeah, each one is like a little gift, right? It's like a little offering. They should really give you, they should just like slide you a poem with your bill. You know, you could almost like see it at a restaurant. Yeah. It's like, you just take it with you. And like, how nice would that be? If I had a restaurant, that's what I'd do. <laughs> well, listen, you know, the Poetry Society of America does a book every year called Poem a Day. And if you belong, you get a book and you can tear the poems out. And I, I would often do on Thanksgiving and other holidays, I'd make my poor family, I think they like it now, but everyone would have a poem in front of their plate and they would have to read it. I would order it, you know, read it aloud. And at first it's like, oh, mom. And then everyone likes doing that because you read the poem in it and you, you literally are flooded with, with feeling. And we would talk about the poem. So I love the idea of a poem a day and handing people a poem. That's great. That's nice. I like it. Kim, this is so lovely. I wore this dress today for you, Mom. How else can people find you? Where should people find you? What's your website? What can they do to track you down? <laughs> well, I have a website, like we all do, www.kimdowerpoetry.com. There's the website. There's poems from other books. There's way too much stuff on that website. <laughs> like, oh boy. But it's all there. And of course, this book should be available in all the great independent bookstores. Uh, if it's not, they'll order it. I'm a big indie bookstore fan. But for those of us who like to push buttons, it's right there on Amazon. I wore this dress today for you, mom. I love to hear from people also. So through my website, there's an email and tell me what you think. You know, I heard from a second grade teacher who read my poem, Bottled Water, to her class in the Midwest. And they were all arguing about, is it a funny poem or a sad poem? And what kind of bottled water do they drink? And when I got that, I just thought, thank you. <laughs> Nothing else matters but this correspondence, you know? That's beautiful. Well, Kim, thank you so much. Thank you for the poetry. I'm going to give this to my mom on Mother's Day, actually. I've just decided. So thank you for that, too. And uh, Well, thank you. Thank you okay. for everything you do for books and writers, which yeah. is a lot. It's my pleasure, seriously. <laughs> it really is. All right. Well, thank you, and I uh, hope to see you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.